Hi, and welcome to another episode of Tuesday Talkies. Today we have a special episode for you. Uh, as always, our co-host Sam Tall is here, and we have a special guest here, Jake Knock, and he is from Sosa Entertainment and Pro Music Rights. The topic today is about the Spotify countersuit. Uh, against Sosa Entertainment. Last fall, Sosa Entertainment and Pro Music Rights filed a lawsuit against many, many companies. And if the headlines we're reading is filed against the entire music industry. But there was last month that Spotify filed a countersuit. And today we're gonna have Jake Knock on here. Uh, he's gonna be speaking with Sam Tall about just what's going on. And we're not going into, you can't get into too many details because it is an ongoing uh, lawsuit. So, you know, Jake, first and foremost, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us how everything's going on where you are? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, everything's going great. Uh, and still laughing at the countersuit. <laughs> well, we're going to get into that, uh, but just, in, you know, just briefly, like, you know, in 30 seconds, can you just give us a little background on Sosa Entertainment and on Pro Music Rights? Sure. So Sosa Entertainment was a record label and publishing company that I founded back uh, in roughly 2016. It was primarily a gangster rap uh, record label. Uh, we went on to sign roughly 425 artists, most that you probably will never have heard of. Uh, a few select that you have heard of uh, and works that are featured with artists that you've heard of. Uh, but basically, that was my first record label. Uh, it was very successful up until, uh, as you probably know now, uh, ongoing issues with Spotify arose. Uh, and after that, I formed a couple other record labels um, and decided to uh, eventually form Pro Music Rights, a performing rights organization that represents songwriters, composers, music publishers, and other legally entitled rights holders, musical compositions for the right to publicly perform. Uh, so we represent the rights holders and we issue licenses to music users worldwide uh, rather than through reciprocal agreements. So you're a very busy person. Uh, never a dull day. Yes. All right. So uh, I know, Jake, you and Sam have been speaking uh, a bit about this for quite some time. And I know we've been trying to get you on here for a couple of weeks. So I'm going to let the two of you just take it away. Uh, Sam, you know, welcome back. And it's great to see you. So, Sam, thanks, Peter. Let it ride. Hey, Jake, I'm, I'm glad we got the uh, chance to have you on the show, to have you uh, speak kind of your piece on the subject. I know that we've been back and forth a little bit over the Facebook DMs. Um, about the news, about the uh, comments that you make in the news, which let me just say up front, it's very impressive uh, how much wall-to-wall -wall coverage you're able to accomplish uh, when it comes to the, these suits, your companies, um, the, the way that people are paying attention and having conversations about you. Obviously, uh, no such thing as bad press to a certain extent. Um, I do want to ask about um, the some of the underlying things that uh, give pro music rights its sort of bones, right? So can you tell us uh, about the business model of, of pro music rights first and foremost, so we can set some context? Sure. So the business model of pro music rights is right, uh, the rights holders are never charged. They don't pay an application fee to join pro music rights. We don't deduct a percentage of their royalties, an admin fee or any hidden fees whatsoever from rights holders, we do not charge them whatsoever. So the rights holders are artists, songwriters, composers, producers, music publishers, and other legally entitled rights holders. 
and we only charge the music users a monthly or annual blanket licensing fee in addition to usage fees in our licensing agreements. The usage we then retain the monthly or annual blanket licensing fee as our profit margin as well as where we deduct our expenses from and then the usage fees go directly to our rights holders at a hundred percent rate without any deduction. Gotcha. So there's sort of two pieces to that license, one of which uh, is the uh, sort of your society's share of that puzzle, right? Uh, correct. One would be where we deduct our expenditures from that right. monthly licensing fee and as a for-profit performing rights organization, uh, where we make our profit margin from and then the usage fees are then passed back to the rights holders at a hundred percent rate without us deducting or touching those whatsoever. Gotcha. And so one of the things that uh, has been a, a key talking point in press releases and in the uh, uh, news conversations about these suits is the scale of pro music rights and the, the quantity of catalog that exists uh, under your administration. Can you uh, give us some context about how that growth has occurred and sort of what that looks like on an ongoing basis? Sure. So currently we have between 62 and 100 plus rights holders joining us daily. Uh, press coverage might have helped with that factor. Uh, another benefit to that is not charging rights holders or music publishers to uh, pay to join or pay to apply to join Pro Music Rights at all. Uh, so we have had a great success in getting great rights holders over with us in addition to, uh, addition to uh, we do also have a large amount of production music uh, in our catalog. Got you. And I think that may have been, I, I remember talking about this with Peter a while back, and, and that struck me as the, the number of compositions uh, that you represent as pro music rights sort of struck me as like, there's, there's probably a scenario in which production music uh, plays a factor in that just simply due to volume. Um, is there a particular area of interest for pro music rights in production music or a particular area of advantage that you found that perhaps other PROs have ignored or just let go by uh, oversight? Sure, so what we particularly focus on are up and coming artists, also music publishers who are not, being, who are not seeing great benefits at other performing rights organizations. Uh, they're not necessarily the most priority clients over at other performing rights organizations and we make them priority clients for us at Pro Music Rights. Uh, so we work with them uh, to try, if they need anything, they can contact one of our live support representatives 24-7, and we can work it with them individually, and they can also set, set up and contact me at any time. And every rights holder who joins Pro Music Rights, uh, the first thing they get is a welcome email with my personal contact information. Uh, so we try to have an individualized client support basis, as well as then we go out and try to fight for the most fair and equitable licensing deals on their behalf. Gotcha. So one of the things that um, Pro Music Rights sort of reminded me of, uh, especially over the last six months, is the way that GMR uh, came into existence, right? Irving Azoff's uh, much ballyhooed, you know, independent PRO taking some of the largest uh, singer-songwriters uh, and, and other you know, massive hit makers kind of off the table from BMI and ASCAP and even CSAC, and then leveraging that uh, sort of chokehold on 
some of the largest copyrights in popular music as a almost a, a sort of weapon to uh, cause radio uh, companies to come to the table and negotiate higher rates for those uh, song compositions. Though the sort of criticism of that, of course, was that this is just uh, monopoly moves. It's trying to um, extort to some degree. Where do you find, what's your sort of read on the GMR uh, example, the GMR model and how that played out and how does that inform the way that you are approaching your current position vis-a-vis -vis the lawsuits sure. that you're in? Of course, I'm not specifying the contents of the, the, the protocols around them. The global music rights is great for the select few artists that obviously they're, uh, they have under their repertoire. Uh, great for those superstars and all the power to them. Uh, but pro music rights focuses on anyone. So we don't care if, for example, you would be an artist such as Drake, or you're a new artist who doesn't even have a stage name yet, and you go by SoundCloud Artist 1-2B. We believe you should be entitled to the same equitable deals. You should be entitled to the same transparency and actually know what you're owed. Uh, so referring to radio, I believe you're referring to the Radio Music Licensing Committee and possibly the National Religious uh, Broadcasters Music Licensing Committee. Um, I know GMR is in there uh, as an antitrust back and forth with the Radio Music Licensing Committee. Always. Uh, and I can personally <laughs> confirm that they are a cartel. Uh, it's not an industry group. They are a cartel. They are simply a price-fixing cartel. Well, they're, they're kind of a, a lobbying organization similar to the RIAA or NMPA. What makes you think that they're a cartel? The fact that they fix prices. Okay. Uh, on behalf of their on behalf of their members. I can't get too much into this just because of the ongoing antitrust we have versus them. Uh, don't want to spoil all the surprises there, but <laughs> uh, definitely something to stay in tune with. Okay. So, so suffice to say that part of the antitrust uh, litigation going on has to do with the uh, Radio Music Licensing Committee's involvement in the rates that are set between the performing rights organizations and uh, their sort of constituent station, uh, you know, participants? Well, they're, particip they're participants that are directly cross, uh, they directly compete against each other, but yet they form together to negotiate prices. Now, I might not have all the information that you do on this subject. It seems to me like that might be a matter of rate court decisions and the way in which the... Uh, you know, sort of copyright system has been in effect for decades and decades and then turned into sort of protocols and standards as far as the rate court is concerned, which then becomes sort of a template for um, smaller partners such as yourself versus, you know, smaller versus like ASCAP and BMI to then uh, implement similar kind of uh, rights and royalties. Is it that you think that is an unfair templatization of an existing decision that doesn't apply to you? Or is it the matter that that is in itself a broken system to you? Uh, so I believe you're referring to the ASCAP and BMI uh, consent decrees. Uh, pro music rights is not limited by those consent the same consent decrees. So we're able to freely negotiate our rates on the open market rather than having to go to a royalty rate court uh, to set our licensing rates. Uh, so we're able to actually name what prices and terms we want in our licensing agreements, where ASCAP and BMI do not share those same freedoms. Cool. Um, so 
this will be kind of my my last uh, question, and we can wrap it up here. Um, I think there's been a lot of uh, discussion around the tone that you take in the media, the uh, approach that you use to um, sort of crusade your cause a little bit. Um, I'd like to know more about the way that you think about the presentation of you as well as your company in the press. Um, favorability aside, just kind of the, the the tone of it and whether you have a strategy there or it's simply just a matter of responsiveness. Sure. So believe it or not, we did reach out nicely beforehand to all these parties. Believe it or not. Uh, so what you're seeing unfold in the press is the more public situation in which uh, it looks like we're litigious assholes, which granted, if you're just looking at the press releases, uh, could definitely see where anyone could get that assumption from. But we fight on behalf of our rights holder clients to get the most favorable, equi- uh, favorable and equitable deals on their behalf. So if that means we have to piss every single person off to do so, so be it. Uh, and that's why pretty you, much the stand take. Why do you f- believe that the uh, partners who are seeking to use music need to deal as opposed to choose to? So it seems like there's a sort of a argument that you know, they they must come to you and present a license and negotiate with you in good faith to do this, as opposed to simply just not participating because they don't desire to include your catalog. Sure. So I can't speak uh, to that in relation to any of ongoing cases. So I'll speak to that generally. Yeah. Uh, generally, it's been where they've refused to, one, take out a license, two, honor a licensing agreement, three, have refused to stop publicly performing or write, write holders music when after they've refused to pay for it, secure a license for it, and or remove it. They've refused to remove it. Got it. So, that, so just so to confirm, it, comes, it, it sounds like that they're continuing to use music that you uh, assert is being used on, without a license. Correct. Gotcha. Cool. Jake, I really appreciate you explaining this. Um, and uh, I'm going to hand it back over to Peter. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Sam. Uh, you Jake, there, there's so many moving parts. Just to summarize, if you were just to give that one summary, what is the final outcome that you are hoping for with this? World domination. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Please, <laughs> Please say that. more. <laughs> what, what does that mean that, exactly to was, you? Yeah, was that the mic drop, or uh, can you elaborate just a little more on that? Sure. So that. Uh, that's a joke, just to clarify. Uh, but no, our goal is to seek out the most favorable, equitable deals for our rights holder clients and to expand worldwide uh, to not utilize the CISAC's reciprocal agreements in which those agreements have at least 20 to 30% of all foreign royalty collections going to the other collection societies who are parties to those reciprocal agreements. Uh, so our goal is to cover worldwide usage pay our rights holders directly and not to charge our rights holders anything for our services to collect their royalties. Right on. And to also expand into other rights sites. All right. Fantastic. Jake, thank you so much. Uh, It was a pleasure getting to hear like, you know, everything that you're doing in in your side of the story. Thank you so much, both of you. And thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, Make sure you hit the subscribe button to be notified of future shows. And if you have any uh, thoughts on it, just leave your comments below and we'll see you next week. All right. Take care for now.